Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Well, like- I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the Steelers. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Sports Power Talk is in overtime. My name's Alex Henry, and it is time for the UFC crew to come back and cover this Saturday's card all the way in Miami. Pajeda versus Adesanya 2. I'm very excited for it. Like I already said, I'm your host, Alex Henry. I am joined with... Mitch Bates. And... Jake Marin. And, uh, yeah, before we get into this whole main card and into the rematch at the middleweight bout, I want to go over some rankings really fast. I am ahead in the rankings right now. 14-5-1. and one, And then Jake and Mitch are tied 12, 7, and 1. Gentlemen, let's ask, how are you feeling about your uh, standings on the rankings? Yeah, I feel good overall. I had a very bad event last time around, so I'm looking to change some things around and maybe go out on a limb for one of these picks today. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good, Alex, because I know you know we competed last time and you won. I really felt like I was coming out of the gate strong with these predictions, but we only have two left. We have 287, we have 288, but ultimately I feel good about my picks for UFC 287, and I'm happy to be on this podcast. I missed last one, so I'm happy to be back. UFC 287, I can't wait. Yeah, the last the last card, we all had very different picks. We were all going all different directions on each fight. I feel this time around we might agree a lot more than we did last time, but let's get into it, starting with the main card, the first fight at Bantamweight, Christian Rodriguez, and Jake, I'm going to give it to you. Who is Christian Rodriguez facing, Jake? Well, Christian C-Rod Rodriguez <laughs> is fighting Raul El Nino Problema Rosas Jr. Yes, sir. Jake was Jake's very excited that. Jake, I'll throw it back to you. Give me your breakdown and prediction for this fight. Yeah, so I'll start with Rosas Jr. He's 7-0 with five first-round finishes, and the biggest thing behind this bantamweight is his age. He's 18 years old. In college, I never thought I'd be breaking down a UFC fighter that's younger than me. Of course, that last fight was that first-round rear naked choke win at UFC 282. Rosas Jr. submitted Jay Perrin in his UFC debut in a very impressive performance. He averages over four takedowns a fight, which leads to all the submission wins he has in his career, which I believe is five. Rosas Jr., he's fast, he's relentless in the cage, he pushes the pace, and he's constantly looking to get his opponent to the ground. For C-Rod, he's 8-1 and one with five first-round finishes. He's never lost at bantamweight. He was 2-0 in LFA, won on Contender Series, stumbled with his debut in the UFC, then got that first-round submission win over Joshua Weems in his last fight. His 57% takedown defense will likely be tested here against Rosas Jr. Rodriguez has experience with wrapping up submissions himself, but Rosas Jr. likely has the advantage there. C-Rod has been taken down 10 times in his last three fights. Rosas Jr. is a fantastic grappler with 14 minutes of control time in his last two fights. This fight is clear as day for me. I see Raul easily getting takedowns here. He'll win by either submission or... Or decision, personally, I'll take the 18-year-old to pick up his second UFC win inside the distance. I like Rosas Jr. by submission in round two. Raul, the pick for Jake. Jake, 
I will say, you know, I cover amateur MMA here in Ohio, and I've watched 18-year-old, 19-year-old fighters fight before, but it's their debut fight at the amateur level. Not in the UFC. It's so crazy. Uh, I'll give my breakdown now. I'll give it to you, Mitch. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of the things you said, Jake. I'm, I'll keep it short. Raul, he, he takes people down. And not only that, but you know, his striking has been inconsistent. I think that's his age. I honestly think it's age. So it'll be interesting to see how he's improved at the striking level. We've seen him, um, especially in his early fights, kind of throw some wild, crazy strikes. It'll be fun to see if he might land some of those. But yes, Christian gets taken down a lot. And we're talking about a young kid who's eager to just chase the takedown. So I'm also going to go with Rosas Jr. Mitch, do you agree or do you disagree with us? Yeah, I got the exact same pick as both of you. You both pretty much covered all the bases that needed to be covered. And also to add on to what Jake said about controlling the fight for 14 minutes, he has only fought for about 17 minutes total. And I think that means a lot. He's extremely high pace. He's going to take him down early and often. I see him getting a finish in the third round by submission. A finish in the third round by submission for yeah. Mitch. And we're all in agreement, like I kind of predicted, off rip. We'll go to the next fight at welterweight. Kevin Holland taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. Mitch, I'm going to give it right back to you. Give me a breakdown and prediction for this one. Yeah, this one, it was kind of a tough pick, not too much. It's supposed to be a very fun fight. It's two solid stand-up fighters. Kevin Holland, he has very, very bad takedown defense, but when he's on the ground, he, you can't sleep on him. He's got very solid wrestling. And Ponzinibbio, he has great volume, and he applies pressure very well. He's very good at managing range, but I would say Holland is more accurate with his strikes. And we all saw the last fight with Wonderboy and Kevin Holland where Kevin got absolutely picked apart. But in, on that note, I don't think that Santiago is anywhere near Stephen Thompson. And I think that personally I believe that Kevin Holland should try to utilize the wrestling advantage that he does have in this fight. And Ponzinibbio, I believe, is older. And I don't think that will play much of a role in this, but – People are asking when is his decline going to start to hit, and I've heard that it this could be the fight where we see that. And overall, I'm going to go Kevin Holland in this one by decision. I don't think there's going to be a finish, but I think it should be a very fun fight. Yeah, I don't have much to add on the Kevin Trailblazer Holland side of things. Mitch kind of covered it really well. We all know his biggest weakness in MMA is his takedown defense, but he's prolific on the feet. He has a positive striking differential, which is the reason he has 12 knockouts to his name. He's accurate, powerful, and can be an aggressive grappler at times. He's always going to have a reach advantage in fights, and will enjoy an 8-inch reach advantage here against Ponzinibbio. For the Argentine Dagger, his last fight, really impressive performance over Alex Morono at UFC 282. He was on his way to a decision victory and instead landed that overhand right KO over a short-notice opponent. Santiago would be smart to wrestle in this fight, but that isn't really his game. He's only landed four takedowns in 16 UFC fights. Ponzinibbio is more active on the feet than Holland, and he's great at managing distance and leading the dance. 
Holland is in a weird scenario right now in the UFC. He won five in a row in 2020 to become a contender, but since then he's lost two in a row, won two in a row, and now finds himself on yet another two-fight losing streak. With that being said, I think Holland gets back on track here. Range management will be huge for Ponzinibbio, but Holland should be more precise in the striking, potentially landing more powerful shots. I'll take Holland to get it done inside the distance, but later on in the fight, give me Holland to win in round three to become 24-9 in his career. Kevin Holland, the pick for Jake. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll mention a couple things. I think when you look at the Kevin Holland fight versus uh, Steven Thompson, uh, Mitch, you brought up that uh, he he got picked apart. I I didn't view the fight that way um, when I watched it necessarily. Sure, he lost. Um, I think it was clear that he lost, but I, I think his striking held his own versus um, Stephen Thompson. There was even a few points in that fight where I thought Stephen Thompson might get knocked out or finished or St- um, Kevin Holland might be able to sneak away with a win. Uh, and then as for Kevin Holland, yes, we can all make fun of his ground game or his wrestling all we want, but in terms of his ground game, it's not necessarily bad. I, I think of his submission versus um, Tim Means, and it was it was a Darce, which is one of the more complicated submissions to be able to hit in UFC. He's very technical when he's on the ground, but in terms of the grappling exchanges and the wrestling and the takedown defense, it's not good. If I'm Santiago, I'm trying to keep it on the feet regardless. Obviously, I mean there is a chance that he might be able to take him down, but he's a stronger he's a stronger striker, so he's going to want to just try to hit him with a more powerful punch. But I think Kevin Holland's a more technical striker, so I'll be I think he'll be able to get in those technical strikes and then he'll be able to just pick him apart I think he wins by decision here so I am going with Kevin Holland on to the next fight Rob Font taking on Adrian Yanez Jake I'm going to give it to you give me a breakdown and prediction for this bantamweight bout yeah man I cannot wait for this fight maybe one of the fights like this is such a undersold fight on this card I might be looking more forward to this fight than the actual co-main event on UFC 287. I'll start with Fonto. He's 19-6 and six with eight first-round finishes. He isn't too far removed from a four-fight winning streak in the UFC over some big names that put him on the map, but now he finds himself on the wrong side of back-to-back decisions to Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera. This is the first time in his MMA career that he's lost two fights in a row. Regardless, he has an incredible striking differential. He lands 6.38 significant strikes per minute while only absorbing 3.95 in the same amount of time. Font averages a takedown of fight, but he also lands five takedowns in the UFC. So not a ton of takedowns in the UFC. So I expect this fight to stay on the feet. Font doesn't really have fight ending power, but he does have a solid chin. He's very durable inside the UFC octagon. For Yanez, he's 16-3 and with 10 knockouts. That last fight, that first round KO over Tony Kelly, super, super impressive. He became one of my favorite fighters when he won his fight on Contender Series in 2020. He has an incredible story as well. And since that win, he's gone 5-0 and in the UFC with four electric knockout victories. Yanez has a 100% takedown defense and a short average fight time of 6 minutes and 39 seconds, which helps him impose his will inside the cage. Like Font, Yanez lands six-plus significant strikes per minute, but Yanez does get hit more often. What sticks out most about Yanez, to me, is his speed and boxing. He deserves a spot on the list of the best boxers in the UFC, and he's only 29 years old. So very high praise for Yanez. Font should try to capitalize early since Yanez has a tendency to start slow, but this should be an excellent fight between two excellent boxers. The discrepancy I see in this fight when comparing the two guys, though, 
like I mentioned, is Giannis' speed. I don't think his power is going to be enough to knock out Font, but I think his speed is going to be enough to outland Font. Potential bias here, but I think it's Adrian Giannis' time to shine right now in the UFC. I like this fight to go over two and a half rounds, and I'll take Giannis by split decision. Giannis, split decision. Interesting pick by Jake Mern. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, Jay covered a lot of bases that I was going to cover. And one point that I really came across while researching this fight is that Giannis seems like a younger, faster version of Rob Font. And I thought that was a very interesting concept while going through this. Giannis has a great chin. He mixes speed and technique while boxing very well together. And you see some fighters that get one of two, but he mixes both very well. And I agree with Jake on the pick overall. I think Giannis is going to get a decision victory. I think it's going to be a very fun fight, going to be on the feet for probably the whole entire fight. And Rob Font, you can't sleep on Rob Font at all because he's extremely tough. But his skill set is not nearly as wide as Giannis, and I think the age difference in this fight will be very evident and clear. And, yeah, I'll take Giannis by decision. Giannis by decision for Jake and Mitch. For me, it's the same exact thing. You know, we all have the same breakdown. What I had down is Giannis's pace will destroy Rob Font. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. Just to bring up another point, not to necessarily – um just keep on hitting the same thing. But when you look at Rob Font's uh, loss to Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo was old. I mean, sure, Jose Aldo is one of the best in his own right, but he was an older guy who didn't bring the same pace that he used to four years ago, five years ago, and he still wasn't able to keep up, keep up with his pace. And then we look at a guy like Cheeto Vera, who his one critique, especially after his last fight, was that he doesn't even bring a good pace in his fights, that he's not having a lot of output, that he's not more of a high-paced fighter, and he still wasn't able to win, and that fight went to decision, where the thing about Cheeto is, it's, it's his power, but that fight went to decision, so am I sleeping on Rob Font? Maybe a little bit, but uh, I think maybe his time is going just a little faster than some fighters does and Jake I love what you said about Adrian Yanez in terms of his boxing I think his boxing is incredible especially when you talk about boxing it's not just about your jab hook and your cross head movements a big thing it's a huge part of boxing and the body shots he mixes all of that well in there that's always something I use when I um, like to defend Dustin Poirier and his boxing that it's not just the striking it's the everything about his boxing that makes it so good it's the same exact thing for Adrian Yanez Going into our co-main event, so far we are all in agreement, but maybe there will be some disagreement here. It's Gilbert Burns taking on Jorge Masvidal, or as I like to call him, George Masvidal. And uh, I'll get into my breakdown first. Um, look, Gilbert Burns is a guy who's grown on me a lot, and I, I, will, I will say that. I give him a little more respect than I used to. Uh, he, especially after his win over Neil Magny, I, I really think Neil Magny's a good fighter. I still think he's a good fighter. I know that you guys both kind of didn't give him the same amount of credit that I do. Um, but Gilbert Burns was able to really destroy him. Uh, I think the thing about Gilbert Burns is he just looks better in his fights. Um, he's a good BJJ guy. 
who can stand and brawl if he needs to. He has very sneaky power, averages about two takedowns a fight, and what I love about him is when he gets you on the ground, he'll keep you on the ground, and it's not boring. He's either striking, he's either ground and pounding, attempting submissions, or just trying to switch different positions, but he'll never hold you in one position and stay there. Um, So it's very entertaining to watch him on the ground. George Masvidal, though. Let me talk about George Masvidal. He's one of the most overrated fighters in UFC. He's one of my least favorite fighters of all time, and I'll say that before I get into my breakdown. But here's my breakdown. He was demolished by Kobe Covington. I mean, we're talking 50-44 rounds versus Kobe Covington. It was it was insane. Um, now, the fights that he... And that, or then he got swept by um, Kamaru Usman, uh, which he really didn't look all that good in those fights. He had a couple of good shots. Then he won versus Nate Diaz by doctor stoppage, which I don't think that's an accomplishment at all. I mean, Nate Diaz, if he puts his hat on too hard, he might cut himself open. So good for you. And then he beat Ben Askren and Darren Till, which is no longer even in the UFC anymore. And you're supposed to, I'm supposed to sit here and give this guy his respect. I was just to sit here and give him his respect. I can't do it. I cannot do it. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Then he gets a doctor stoppage versus Nate Diaz. And sure, you might look at me and say, well, MMA math doesn't matter, Alex. It doesn't matter that he beat Ben Askren, a guy who wasn't ever good in the UFC. Sure. You know, I think there was a point where Game Brad was was that BMF, if if you will. Um, but I, it's not anymore. And he's coming back to Miami, and that's a big thing for him. Um, he stayed at American Top Team, which I think is one of the best gyms around. He always has that you know, crazy diverse striking that he might be able to hit you with. Um, and his relentlessness, I think, if I have to give him any props, is, is the thing I'll give him. But uh, overall, I'm taking Gilbert Burns. And uh, I won't say anything yet. I'll give it to you, Mitch. Let's see what you think here uh, about my my takes about old Georgie boy. Yeah, so I have been researching this fight very heavily. And I'm aware that I need to make a little bit of moves if I'm going to step up in these rankings here with Jake and Alex. And the more I look into this fight, I start to doubt what I initially said I'm going to do. I'm going to make this pick. But I think I want to pick George Masvidal in this fight, and I'll explain. So I saw George – I want to call him George because you keep calling him George. No, it's great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll, do, <laughs> I'll do it then. Masvidal, someone Joe Rogan talking. And I know talking is not fighting, and those don't equate at all. But Yeah, because all the fighters that go on his podcast end up winning, they, right? Yeah, they end up losing. I got it. <laughs> Common theme, but – you know, he is a, I think, a top-notch striker, or at least he has the ability to be. Gilbert Burns, I know how dangerous Gilbert Burns is. He has great wrestling ability. He's developed his striking very well, and his power is crazy. He throws some absolute bombs in his fights, and if they land, it's going to shut some people off. But Masvidal, he's coming out of a very, you know, emotional fight I'll say with Colby Covington I don't think his head was in the right space for that fight at all nowhere near it what you don't necessarily always hear about with Masvidal is his takedown defense 
and how it did not show at all in the Colby Covington fight. I know that, but before that fight, Jorge was one of the hardest people to take down in the UFC. It's some beautiful technique behind it, and I think that has to be brought up in this fight. I know he's extremely determined to get back to maybe a title shot or beating Colby because he was very adamant about how he wants to get back to Colby, wants to knock his head off, wants to fight Leon, and he knows he can't do that unless he gets through Gilbert Burns. And I think if Jorge can stuff these takedowns that Gilbert is very clearly going to try to get, I think it's going to turn into an absolute brawl, and I I could be extremely wrong, and I'm very, very aware of that, but I think he's going to get the better of him in the brawl. And I saw the Kamzat fight with Gilbert, and he showed he can box and he can go through those brawls, but I, Kamzat's not nearly as technical when on the feet as Jorge, and it, it's very, it was very tough, and the more I looked into it, the more I started to doubt myself, but I've come this this far, and I have I have to go with it. So, I think Jorge gets a knockdown late. It's I think Gilbert will probably get a round, and Jorge will have a round. But I I just see a late knockdown stuffing take. I think he will be able to stuff those takedowns. I know it's tough, but and I can see how Alex is looking at me right here. I know he doesn't agree, and. I trust I understand, but I'm going Jorge in this fight. He's in MIA, and that does mean a lot when you're talking about decisions and how the judges score things. So if it goes to decision and it's relatively close, I think they're going to give it to Jorge. And I, I've learned that while watching MMA in the not very long time I've been watching it. I've started to learn that. And I'm going George in this one, so... Mitch throwing away his pick, all of his chances to try to come back. Jake, will you throw your pick with him? I mean, things are getting spicier on the podcast now, Alex. (laughs) I mean, you're calling Jorge the most overrated fighter in the UFC while Mitch over here is taking Jorge to win this fight. Insane things here. I'm not going to break down Gilbert Burns because you guys kind of talked about his grappling background and things like that. But for the Miami native, Jorge Masvidal, he's 35-16 and 16 with 16 knockouts. I give him a way more credit than you do, Alex. Of course, he hasn't beaten a How many really of those were in street lately. fights? Well, sure. sure. <laughs> I think there's two ways of looking at Jorge Masvidal, pre-2019 and post-2019. Because pre-2019, he was considered as a pretty good UFC veteran. He was like a Donald Cowboy Cerrone type guy. I agree. And then after 2019, of course, he had that electric win over Ben Askren, and then he just flew up everybody's radar. Maybe he was flew up too soon. Of course, he's lost fights. He he's on a three-fight losing streak. But I do give him a lot more credit. He's 35-16. and 16. Not the best record, but he's a very experienced fighter. Mitch broke down his wrestling or his takedown defense very well. Of course, that did not show in his last fight over or his last loss against Colby Covington, where he was taken down 16 or six times and Covington outstruck him 218 to 90, just an all time bad performance from Jorge Masvidal in that one. I think Jorge is well-rounded and you almost have to be when you have that 51 fights of professional experience. Gamebred has always been a great striker and he has an impressive arsenal of tools on the feet. His takedown defense has deteriorated over time. So we'll see how it holds up on Saturday. Also, Masvidal's ego and confidence, it's going to be at an all-time high in his hometown of Miami, Florida. We've all mentioned that as well. But Masvidal, 
he's going to have to do something special to win on Saturday. Maybe even something more special than what he did, what he did to Ben Askren. I say that for two reasons. One, I don't think Masvidal is at his peak anymore in his career. And two, and this is my hot take on this podcast, I think Burns is the second best welterweight on the roster. Besides the champ, Leon Edwards, I think Burns is the number two best welterweight on the UFC roster, the best, the second best welterweight on the planet. Masvidal has done special things to win fights before. Burns could play with his food to give Jorge a chance, but I think Burns knows what to do here. Dorino's last win was super impressive, and I like him to get this fight to the ground early and often and pick up the submission win in enemy territory. Very interesting, Jake. Gilbert Burns, second welterweight. I talked about how I used to disrespect this guy quite often, uh, not because I wanted to disrespect him, but because I'm very tough in terms of uh, I've often mentioned since I started up here, I, I view these rankings. I understand a little more importantly than a lot of people look at them, and, and I understand all the criticisms. But in my head, it just helps me keep track, and I like putting a number to the fighter. Um, he lost to Hamza, Jake. Yeah, but Hamza is going to middleweight. So assuming he goes to middleweight? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's Do you think he's better than Shavkat? Do you think Gilbert Burns beat Shavkat? Shavkat's in a weird position right now. Shavkat is down the list. I could see a shavkat Rachmana fight turning out to be a lot like the Hamzat Shamayev and Gilbert Burns fight. But we even talked about this going into the Neil Magny fight. I was like, yeah, Gilbert Dorino Burns is still a contender at welterweight, and you didn't think so. He goes out there, dismantles Neil Magny, who you gave. Now now you've turned, but... You gave Neil Magny a ton of credit. I thought he was going to ragdoll him, and that's exactly what he did inside the first round, getting the arm triangle choke over Magny. I think he might be better than Bilal. Bilal is a close one to me because Bilal has really, really good takedown defense, and he's really, really good on the feet as well. And Colby Covington, I think that's a really close fight as well. They're both grapplers. Mm -hmm. It would just depend on who's stronger. And, of course, Colby has the advantage in his cardio, but they haven't. he hasn't fought those type of guys. So I think it's fair to say that Gilbert Burns is a top two welterweight. I'm super high on Zarino. You know, he knocked down Kamaru Usman at Usman's peak. I think he has a chance, especially against a guy like Leon Edwards in the future. I don't know. I, call me crazy, but I think he's number two right now. Mitch, do you think Jake's crazy? I don't think he's crazy at all. I'm not sure if I see number two because I think I'm going to put Bilal above him in that regard. And if Kamzat leaves, obviously, then I think he'd be – 3-4, because Colby Covington, it's hard to see Gilbert winning that fight, too, for me. Sure. I think that'd be a really, really, really good fight, though. And if Leon Edwards has the say in who gets the next title shot, which he thinks he does, but I'm not sure that he actually does, mm-hmm. I think a Colby-Gilbert fight could be something really interesting that we could eventually get to see. And I hope so, but no, I don't think he's crazy saying that he's the second-best guy because I think he's right in line with the people who are up there right now. Yeah, it's a very interesting take, Jake. It's one that I can't necessarily argue against you, but I'm not all 100% in agreement with that take. Uh, I I definitely think that this fight Saturday will prove a lot of things. And if Gilbert Burns wins dominantly versus Jorge Masvidal, who's supposed to be some legend of MMA... Uh, that so many people view him as, then I mean that should put him right up there. For I, I, I you know, I'm such a big Bilal deserves a title, man. I, I, I'm probably the biggest. Now, 
I'll go out on a limb and say I support Bilal till the day I die. That that man should get a belt, a ch- chance at the belt. Gilbert Burns beats Jorge Masvidal. I probably put him over there, over Bilal, which would make sense with you, Jake, that he would be second second up. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. Any any last takes on this before we move on to the main event? Yeah, one thing I'm really looking forward to on Saturday, and you know, I'm making this super strong case for Gilbert Burns. I'm super high on him in the welterweight rankings, of course, but what I want to see out of him on Saturday against Jorge Masvidal is a good fight IQ. That is huge for his mm-hmm. – elevation up in the welterweight rankings, right? Because against Hamzat Shemaev, I thought there were points where he could have fought a smarter fight. And against Neil Magny, he was like, no, I can brawl, I can strike, but my best game is in grappling. My best game is in my wrestling. My best game is in my Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And we saw how that played out in the few minutes that that fight lasted. And I think this fight against Jorge could last the same amount of time, if not less. So I'm really excited to see this fight and see if he does fight a smart fight, or like I said, if he wants to play with his food out there, give Jorge a little bit of leeway. Jorge's going to land strikes. He's going to get the crowd pumped up. And like Mitch said, if the judges think that's enough to give Jorge a decision, and then who knows if Jorge wins, I hate to say it, but he could be next in line for a title. Yeah. Um, to finish off on that really, really burning hot take that I just made, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I get the Gilbert Burns thing, and I, I would not be surprised one tiny bit if he wins this fight in the first round even. But it's just something about the feeling oh I'm getting. Goodness. It's something about the feeling I'm getting, dude. And I know I got to make some bold picks, and I am going to count on the takedown defense working against Gilbert and making him fight a different fight than the one he came in intending to fight. <laughs> MIA Jorge. He's going to pull it out for me. I'm going to look like a genius next time we step on this podcast. And we're going to be talking about Jorge fighting top-notch guys for <laughs> title fights. Mitch, if Jorge Masvidal wins in the first round, <laughs> no, and no, it no, wasn't not be- him. Not him. I meant Gilbert. I wouldn't oh, be surprised if Gilbert beat him in the first round. Gotcha. I was about to say, yeah. No way, no way. Gilbert no way. probably would have. Probably rolled his ankle on the way out after the after the glove touch. <laughs> that's, that, that's why we're gonna get a shoulder pop like <laughs> T.J. Dillashaw. No, no, no. Yeah, but I could see Gilbert winning early. But I'm going to stand on a decision victory for Jorge. I think he he's been fighting wrestlers for quite a long time now, and welterweight is filled with guys that love to wrestle, bring you down. That Jorge's been learning off that. I hope, and he's coming off the knockout and the loss that he just took to Colby, which was an emotional high. I don't think he was ready for that fight at all. So this fight, I think he's finally level-headed. He's been in there after the knockout and after the extreme emotional high. He said he's in amazing shape for this fight. I believe him, and uh, I'm going to stand on my pick here. Jake Murren going with Gilbert Burns. Mitch Bates going with Jorge Masvidal, and hopefully a conversation I never have to have. (laughs) is what do we do with Jorge Masvidal now that, that he beat Gilbert Burns, especially now that I consider Gilbert Burns a contender. I don't even I don't ever I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. We're going in to the main event, the rematch, despite these guys meeting four times already, the rematch in the UFC cage for the UFC middleweight championship. Alex Poten Perheda taking on Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. Jake, I will give it to you first. Give me your breakdown. Give me your prediction. All right, man, event. Let's get into it. Perheda, 
He debuted in the UFC two years ago, and he was already able to claim the middleweight championship. He's still relatively inexperienced in MMA. Of course, Bejeda is a credentialed kickboxer with lights-out power, but a lot of people think that a wrestler would be able to beat him quite easily out there. Also, Bejeda surrounds himself with the best of the best with Glover Teixeira and even Chuck the Iceman Liddell in this camp as well. For Adesanya, we know what Adesanya does. We know what he does out there. But one comment made by Michael Bisping recently I find fascinating because I think it's the perfect way to describe Israel Adesanya's game. Bisping called him coordinated. And that's just a perfect way to describe the last style bender. He has a wide arsenal of violent attacks. He's an unusual, lengthy striker, and he's a hard guy to game plan for. Yet he combines his collective game into a coordinated attack, into coordinated offense. I love watching Adesanya fight. Adesanya took Bejeda down in the third round of their last fight. And I think one of the biggest things I'm looking for in this fight is Adesanya's willingness to wrestle. Because if if Adesanya is skilled enough, then I think that's his easiest path to victory on Saturday night. With the WZIP sports standings, though, it's clear that I have to pick Bejeda here with just one more card after UFC 287 to predict. Once again, I have to play catch-up to Alex Henry. I'm not sure I totally agree with the things I'm about to say and the case I'm about to make. But here it goes. So Pajeda, he has three wins over Adesanya in combat sports, with two of them being knockouts. Pajeda's kicks, precision, timing, and speed has just been too much for Adesanya in the past. Sure, Israel had Alex rocked at the end of their first round in their last fight, but maybe Alex wasn't expecting that flurry of strikes with a few seconds left in the round. The last style bender looked perfect for every single minute of their last fight until he got knocked out, and he still lost in that fight. Can he do better? Who knows? Plus, what's the mental hurdle for Adesanya as he fights the boogeyman for the fourth time in his combat sports career? Lastly, champions who lose their belts and get an immediate rematch are 4 and 13. This is a hard fight to predict, but that's a strong case for Pajeda. Hopefully, I'll make up some ground here as I'm going with Pajeda to win and retain the UFC middleweight championship. Alex Pajeda, the pick. For Jake trying to make up some ground here, Mitch, I'll give it to you. What do you think about this fight? Yeah, as far as making up ground, I agree with Jake. I know I got to catch up to Alex. My last fight tried to do that, but I understand that that may not go the way I want it to. I see Jake took a page out of my book with talking about things he doesn't necessarily believe, so I might do the same thing with this fight. (laughs) Uh, You know, Pajeda, he has freakish power he's a very unnatural athlete like he's built like a light heavyweight when you look at him you don't think he should be fighting at middleweight and not as much diving into the fighters but diving into the last fight between the two Jake said it Israel fought an absolutely perfect fight and still did not get the victory I that means a lot to me and 3-0 against Izzy but 1-0 in MMA that also means a lot to me. And Pajeda's going to come in with a lot more confidence in the last fight, I think. And I think that goes unsaid, or that can't go unsaid, you know. And kicking the legs, Izzy's legs were compromised in the last fight. He got it started very early. Izzy, there, there were obviously problems that Izzy can't avoid in this fight to outlast him and get a decision win because I can't see him finishing Pajeda. But it's just the fact that 
the last fight was so izzy, 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 and he even threw in a little bit of grappling there, and he looked really good when they were grappling, wrestled him a little bit. They both had a takedown. But it's just the fact that Izzy, at his best, could not beat Pajeda, and Pajeda's only getting better. He has the clear power to knock Izzy out. And I didn't necessarily have a problem when it came to picking Pajeda because I think if he uses the strategy of getting those legs out from under Izzy, don't let him take you down or grapple you this time. Close the distance. Use that power because that's when he fought his best, when he was fighting his own fight, pushing him, closing distance, and not letting Izzy use that unbelievable you know, agility that he has. He's very agile and moves his head and body very well to avoid strikes. And I think I'm going to go Pajeda here. I'm going to go with a knockout. I'm going to go fourth round because I think – He's learned a lot about Izzy MMA style, and I think that he will get the best of him in this one. His cardio has to be better in this one. I think it will be, and that's how I'm going to end off this pick right here. Alex, I hated the pick for Mitch. Gentlemen, when you make those picks, I know there's a feeling in your chest, a heaviness. Your heart races. You're, it's Something doesn't feel right in your gut, and I know that. And it's because you're picking against the broken native out of Nigeria. The city kickboxing New Zealand champion, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. And I hear these things. I keep hearing them in my headphones that Israel fought a perfect fight. Well, as the biggest Israel fan I know, there's two, there is two Israel Adesanyas. There are two of them. There is Israel Adesanya before he fought Jan Blahovich. And there's Israel Adesanya after he fought Jan Blahovich. Let me explain. Before he fought Jan Blahovich, we saw a last style bender that went out there looking to decimate his opponent. He came out there proving something. He, he went out there chasing the knockout, chasing the blood, seeing red, trying to get that finish. After Jan Blahovich, we saw a different Israel Adesanya. We saw one versus Marvin Vittori who said, you know what, I'm going to just play my game smart, try to strike with this guy. First, uh, Robert Whitaker, there was a couple moments where, you know, sure, he dropped Robert Whitaker, but ultimately it wasn't that old Israel Adesanya that we saw. It was Israel Adesanya 1, and then the next day on Twitter, Israel Adesanya is boring, Israel Adesanya is boring. The same thing we saw against Jared Cannonier, where he just he decimated him. He never hit him really hard to knock him down, but he just, he just kind of played with his food and got his belt. Well, when we looked at this fight with Alex Pajeda, Israel went into this openly saying on many podcasts, morning combat, MMA hour, he's going everywhere. He's going on his media tour, if you will, the week of his fight. And he's going, I'm just, I'm looking to finish him. I want to finish this guy. And ultimately, he didn't go in there and do that. He went back to his old ways. He resorted to an old Israel Adesanya that I saw, um, Against these guys like Jared Cannonier versus Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. And it was working. It, it was working. And it even had a little bit of grappling, a little bit of wrestling like, like you mentioned, Mitch. Look, the thing is, I don't know what Israel Adesanya I need to see on Saturday to get a win. What I do know is I need him to stick to one of them. I need him to stick to one or the other. You know, he had bad blood. With Alex, so he came in there, especially in that first round. He struck way more than he did 
in any other round. And he goes, and he's, you know what? Why do I got to keep doing this? I'm Israel Adesanya. I'm, I'm Mr. Five-round decision win that's just going to pick you apart. And that, that, that's what he went back to do. He got too comfortable in the fifth round. Look, he's, he's felt the power that Pajeda has now. He said, well, they fought two times before this. He felt the power before different gloves. It was different gloves. He didn't feel the same power. And, and it, he, it was a whole new experience for him. He's going to be so much more conscientious of the power that Alex Pajeda now has. Israel's Adesanya's biggest praise. What was the word that you used, Jake, that Michael Bisping, Michael Bisping said? Said he was coordinated. Coordinated. Coordinated means counter-striking. It means striking. It means staying out of bad situations. Now that he's experienced that power, he's gonna, it's going to be peak Israel Adesanya in doing what he needs to do if he wants to get that belt back. He's fighting for a legacy. I've talked about this before on a podcast. Alex Pajeda's winning, fighting for the belt, to keep def- defending the belt. Israel Adesanya is fighting for his career. If he loses a fourth time to Alex Pajeda, it is going to look awful. We're talking about somebody who could have been one of the best middleweights of all time before his last fight, and now people are saying if he loses to Alex Pajeda, eh, he was never good enough. Maybe Alex Pajeda is better than Israel. This is what he's fighting for. And I think the last style bender will go in there on Saturday, get it done, get his championship back. You guys had predictions on the way it went. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he knocks him out. I don't know if he submits him because Israel's definitely going to wrestle more. I think we can, I, I, I 100% see that happening. Uh, I, I don't know how it goes, but I'm taking Israel Adesanya, gentlemen. Any, any thoughts here? Yeah, so I didn't give like a method of victory for Pajeda either, Alex. The only one, the only thing I don't see happening is Pajeda getting a submission win. Other than that, I could see literally. Trains for Glover. Sure, but like <laughs> he strikes every single training video you see of this guy, he's just striking, right? I could see literally any other finish other than the Pajeda by submission. But to me, this fight really is a coin toss. I have no idea. I'm still kind of on the fence. But for our standings, I am going to go with Pajeda, like I mentioned. One thing you said, though, Adesanya felt Pajeda's power. And if he's wary of that power, it kind of concerns me that he might be a little bit inactive in this fight. That's something to look at as well. I really would love to see Adesanya go out there and establish some type of wrestling base and kind of get Pajeda to think about that. Because, honestly, Alex, I'll be watching the fights with you on Saturday. I'm going to be rooting for Adesanya as well, but Pajeda, he he's the pick, man. I really could see it go either way. Yeah, uh, I you said that we have this feeling in our chest when we make the Pajeda pick. But you that's, know you do. Hey, that's how I felt when I was trying to pick Adesanya. I'm just being wow. honest. And, I look, I love Adesanya. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time, and that's why it kind of hurts me to make this pick with any confidence. But... You know, I heard Chael Sonnen say it, so I'm going to say it again. Some athletes just have the number of other athletes, and I think this might be the case. And I even think mental warfare is going to be extremely important in this fight. Izzy needs to go in with one plan, and he needs to stick to it. And I think that he tried to implement his best plan on Alex Pajeda already, and that did not work. And I think that may have messed with his mental a bit, and on the other side of things, Alex is going to get more and more confident as he says, hey, well, now I just shut down the best version of Israel Adesanya that there was. I have the belt. I think he's 
saying, hey, I'm going to stick to what I do and maybe push pressure more and change it up a little bit. But I don't think he has to as much as certain people think he does. And, you know, the stat that Jake read out about four winners when getting their belt back and 13 trying to go get the belt back and could not do it, that means a lot to me since I just picked on the opposite end of that with Kamaru Usman. I said, you know, he dominated the first fight. He should go in and get it right back against Leon, not miss a step. And, you know, Leon had a lucky shot, and that's what ended the fight. And I feel like this is a very similar situation to that, and I can't be on the other end of that this time. I'm standing on my Pajeda pick, and I think it's going to be easier than last time. It's so fitting Chael Sonnen would say that, considering the one guy who always had his number is Anderson Silva, and he was always one of those guys who could never get past a guy. Uh, the one thing I'd say, though, is, I mean, it's not like the, the, the argument that, that Alex Pajeda beat Israel when Israel was having a perfect fight, I don't agree with. I don't think this was – I've seen perfect Israel. That last fight was Israel winning. It wasn't perfect Israel. And the other thing – it wasn't that he was beating perfect Israel. He was losing four rounds to perfect Israel. And then he got a stoppage. And it wasn't a knockout. You know, we, we look at a, the quote-unquote lucky shot where Leon Edwards knocked out Kamaru Usman and he was cold, staring at the lights, not knowing where he was for a few minutes. Israel Adesanya was, he was all right. He was fine. He stood right back up afterwards. I mean, I, I agree with the stoppage. I'm not indicating that it shouldn't have happened. But he wasn't knocked out. So it, it's very interesting to look at. I'm very excited to watch uh, this fight this weekend. I uh, I just know that the uh, the last dial bender will get it done. And Mitch, you know, you talk about the gut feeling of, um, you know, betting. Uh, you know, you want to pick Israel, uh, but your, your heart tells you, Alex, man, tell me about it. Okay, I'm the biggest Israel fan I've known. And I've seen the guy lose to him three times. You know how hard it is to try to convince myself that Israel is going to win? I, I get it, but I genuinely do. I do feel it. It's my brain versus my heart, and it's a whole constant battle that's going to be happening for the next six days, and I'm very uh, not looking forward to it. Gentlemen, that's UFC 287. Jake, I'll give it to you first. Go through your picks. Yeah, the first fight of the main card. Give me Raul El Nino Problema Rosas Jr. Mm. to beat Christian C. Rod Rodriguez by submission in round number two. Then I like Kevin Trailblazer Holland to get it done versus Santiago Argentine Dagger Ponzinibbio. I like Holland by decision here, although we could finish him inside the distance as well. Rob Fon, Adrian Yanez, a bantamweight sleeper of a fight here. I'm so looking forward to this. Two great boxers in the UFC. Give me Yanez by split decision in this fight. Gilbert Zorino Burns, I like him to get this fight done inside the distance against Jorge Masvidal. And then we just broke it down, the main event. I have to make up some ground in these standings before we get to UFC 288. Give me Alex Poetan Pajeda to narrowly beat Israel, the last style better Adesanya, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah, well, for my picks, Raul Rosas Jr. going to defeat Rodriguez in a, I'm going to say, third-round submission Kevin Holland will defeat Santiago Ponzinibbio via decision in my eyes. Yanez defeats Rob Font via decision. MIA Jorge stuns the world and defeats Gilbert Burns via decision. And Pajeda, I'm going head versus heart here. I picked right with John Jones and Cyril Gaon. I'm going to go Pajeda over 
Israel Adesanya, fourth round knockout, headshot dead. Wow. Wow. <laughs> My heart. My heart, Mitch. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm taking Raul Russell's Jr. I'm going to take him first round submission, gentlemen. I think uh, – I think they're trying to build him up, and they're, they, they're actually booking him good fights, which is, you know, one of the big criticisms there was is were they going to throw him to the Sharks right away. I think this is another one that he should be able to get it done pretty easily. I'm going to go Kevin Holland by knockout uh, inside the distance. I uh, think Kevin Holland's got a lot to prove. He obviously retired from the sport for a while. Now he's back. Is it for the money, or is it because he wants to prove something? He could say it's for the money all he wants, but a fighter is – once a fighter, a fighter is always a fighter. They fight because they want to win, and I think he wants to prove something there. I'm going Adrian Yanez in this bantamweight bout over Rob by decision. Uh, this bantamweight division is so, so stacked. Fighters that often we don't even talk about in the bantamweight division still yet. They're so good and uh, could easily both uh, make an argument for title contention at one point. I'm taking Gilbert Burns over George Masvidal. Uh, I'll say by a finish. Um, are you, do you guys know if this is a five-round fight? I believe it is not. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't is. think it is. And then in the main event, I have Israel, the last stylebender, Adesanya, taking home his belt. Gentlemen, any final thoughts before we finish up this podcast? Yeah, it's going to be a great event. This is going to be the first time all three of us are watching an event together up here at WZIP. So it's going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to a great UFC 287. Yeah, man, I can't wait for it. I'll be rooting for Adesanya, but Pajeda is my pick. Hopefully I make up some ground to you, Alex, in that fashion. And then UFC 288 is the last card we're predicting until I'm out of here. I'm out of the University of Akron, but... This Saturday, I'm really looking forward to 287 and looking forward to actually watching a pay-per-view with you guys for the first time, especially you, Alex. We've done this for so, so long, and now we finally, we finally get to watch some fights together. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, and I hope that you guys listening enjoy the fights this weekend in Miami this Saturday, UFC 287, Pajeda versus Adesanya 2. As Israel Adesanya always says, it's Adisanya, because I disanya. I'm not sure what that really means, but it sounds cool, so I thought I'd throw it in there. My name's Alex Henry. I was joined with Mitch Bates and Jake Marin. Enjoy the fights and have a good one.